You're listening to WRIR 97.3 LPFM, Richmond Independent Radio. And this is RVA Report, WRIR's weekly current affairs talk show where community thought and political leaders gather to weigh in on the headlines, their significance, and where they might take us tomorrow. But first, the news. Billionaire environmentalist Tom Steyer spoke with VCU students Wednesday about his environmental activism and the need for an eco-revolution. Steyer recently turned from being a hedge fund manager at San Francisco-based Fairlawn Capital Management. At the end of last year, I quit my very cushy job running uh, 20 to $30 billion to being an active political campaign donor for environmental issues. I actually believe the reason I quit my job, the reason I wanted to change my life is I think this is the issue that will actually determine how we do as a society. And honestly... Which is what brings the Californian to Virginia. So we've been involved, you know, trying to support Terry McAuliffe against Ken Cuccinelli in the state of Virginia because we felt as if on this issue, there's a very broad divide between the two candidates. It's important that the issue gets raised. It's not enough to win, but you have to win telling the truth because we're never going to change the world without admitting that we need to change the world. Steyer, through his Super PAC Next Generation Climate Action Committee, has flushed just under a million dollars into political attack ads on Republican gubernatorial candidate Cuccinelli. He gave a little over $400,000, according to the Virginia Public Access Project, to fund an ad that attacks Cuccinelli for his legal battle with a UVA climate professor earlier in his term as attorney general. Steyer also funded another $500,000 for a new attack ad against Cuccinelli for receiving gifts from Star Scientific CEO Johnny Williams and for receiving a $111,000 donation from a not-so-eco-friendly energy company in Tom Steyer's view, Console Energy. Lavish meals, travel on private jets, just some of the gifts Ken Cuccinelli took in the Star Scientific scandal. Now Cuccinelli's office is under investigation for secretly helping an out-of-state energy company that was drilling natural gas from Virginians' private property but refusing to pay royalties. The same company that gave Gave Cuccinelli a hundred thousand in campaign donations. While out-of-state donations are common for a governor's race, what's uncommon this year is that only 28% of contributions of a hundred dollars or more came from Virginia businesses or residents, according to the Washington Post. Since 1997, every Virginia governor candidate received at least 50% of campaign contributions from Virginians. I'm Cameron Vigliano. With Election Day one month and one day away, there's a palpable excitement in the air over the coming selection of our next governor. Not... To survey the landscape, there's a general sense of apathy bordering occasionally on disgust. Commentators from one side of the state to the other have called the gubernatorial race little more than a race to the bottom. With a third-party candidate whose central theme is small government, questions abound, not about a stunning come-from-behind upset, but from whom does John Sarvis steal more votes? Ken Cuccinelli or Terry McAuliffe? Politics, like car races, is about winning. But what 
if anything, is the prize here. I'm with Norm Leahy. He's the editor at Bearing Drift and a conservative political consultant. Also with Paul Goldman, uh, former chairman of the Virginia Democratic Party and a once and future Words with Friends points per move champion of the world. And Charlie Dirador, my co-producer on this show and a local pundit with experience on state and local, or excuse me, state and national and local campaigns. All three. All three. Welcome, guys. Hey, how's it going? Great. great. Glad to be here. So today we're talking about our governor's race here, the gubernatorial elections, and uh, we've had some developments in, in recent days, and uh, then we've had not much in the way of development with a lot of money spent over a fairly now lengthy campaign. So where do we want to start, guys? I'll let somebody open the floor. Can things, we start with the lack of motion or the well, things motion? Well, things have gotten overshadowed by the shutdown, of course. That sucked all the oxygen out of the room. Remember Syria? I, I so remember what? Syria. Syria. That used to be in the headlines. And Who's it's not she? Anymore. Uh, uh, a Latina singer, I think, in the late 90s. Anyway, Syria Good was in the news, too. Uh, you could dance to her stuff. But, you know, that's taken all the oxygen out of it. Everybody's focused on it. And so it sort of makes a governor's race look trivial. Not that it was ever anything above trivia to begin with. This Ow. race has really been kind of insulting on many, many levels. Who's most insulted by this race? Uh, voters. Those um, people who deserve to know what the governor, what either person will do as governor, haven't a clue. There's no theme in this race. Four years ago, remember, it was Bob's for jobs. Uh, Cree was for something. I'm, he's still looking for that too. But, Cree for something. <laughs> Cree for something. But there was a theme, and there's no theme this time except that other guy is an sob, and he's going to destroy your life and and the state. And nobody pays attention to that nobody that turns people off. Uh, Actually, that's been proven to be false over the years. That negative stuff doesn't draw people in. Um, uh, well, would you agree? Real quick, could we? Well, let's jump to Paul real quick because Norm. Our first, he's first time joining us here. Well, hold on. I, uh, Charlie, hold on. I've got a thought here. I think on our last show that we had somebody representing us from Bering Drift, Paul made this very same point that in past, uh, we've had bobs for jobs. Uh, we had uh, no, no car tax. And, and this race really doesn't have any sort of a theme. And this is something that you hammered on during that show, is the fact that this, these, uh, neither, neither guy has any sort of a thing that they've grabbed onto. Well, in terms of a positive message, the theme that has caught on is that, you know, uh, Cuccinelli is an ideologue, rigid, and that he's somebody who uh, women want to be alarmed about if he gets to be uh, governor. I think that has gotten through. If you look at the polls, that point's been made, and that for a lot of reasons, Cuccinelli, and Norm and I wrote this uh, for... Um, the Daily Caller, mm -hmm. at the start of last month, that the one thing that got through was McAuliffe's argument that Cuccinelli was an uncaring ideologue and that Cuccinelli has had no response to that, has not has a, anywhere near any kind of message. And as long as that keeps working, there's no reason for the McAuliffe campaign to stop what's getting them to lead in the polls. Where's the positive in that, though? I just said they don't. The, the the question is is that there have been in the past, as we discussed, themes which have been positive. You may have not liked them. No car tax. The Democrats thought was a crazy 
policy view, but it was a very popular, positive argument. Populist argument, yes. Uh, you know, George Allen uh, ran on uh, reforming the schools and, and, and uh, uh, changing parole, not letting uh, parole. Um, the Warner thing we gave Warner, uh, of course, uh, we ran against the... Uh, uh, the problems of the, the state couldn't come up with uh, with a new budget. Um, we had some education stuff, but essentially it was, we're going to fix this budget problem, the stalemate. Kane had a little bit less. He really won it by turning around the death penalty probably at the end. Right, but where are the ideas today, Paul? That's I'm saying the question. That, well, they're, they're, the candidates may have them. <laughs> um, we don't know. That's generous. <laughs> are they, are they, but Mo- are Norm's point is correct. You're going back uh, to 92, are they in a lockbox? No, box? no. Norm's <laughs> point is correct that that has not been perceived by either side as a necessity to get out there with at least one major positive message that has not been seen as a key to winning. It has been seen as something... Well, we got to throw some of them. Some, you know, occasionally we put out some stuff, but right. the real thing we is the negative. We got to give them something, right? Right, right. So, yeah. in recent weeks, though, we have seen the Cuccinelli campaign come out with something. They seem now to have latched onto again something that was predicted by our our friend Paul across the table here from me, uh, which is education, uh, kind of hearkening back to the George Allen campaign and recognizing. Too that this is kind of a good time to talk about this. Uh, the SOLs uh, have proven everybody wrong. Uh, the, the recent release of data on the SOLs, almost every district in the state has plummeted. Richmond City and urban districts in particular have taken this, this plunge that just asks for politicians to jump in and say something about it. <laughs> and it looks like the Cuccinelli campaign has, is ready to, to shovel some dirt into that hole for us. They, they, they are. Um, they had to be dragged to the education issue late. <clears throat> my website, my partners and I had something to do with getting them dragged in that direction. I was happy to be able to do that. Are they ready to drink? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's, I, I got so frustrated at one point with the fact that all I was getting, I, I'm on the, we're all on the email list, okay? I get bombarded by these functionaries from the RNC and elsewhere. They're all Romney bots from back in 2012. When I started seeing the same names crop up again, I was terrified because I thought it's going to be the Romney race all over again. Jesus, what have we done? And um, so I said, we need ideas. Let's just talk about ideas. I don't want to talk about green tech anymore. Nobody cares. If you're in Mississippi, you care. You didn't get a plant. Well, you didn't get a lot of things. You even lost Elvis after a while. But, you know, it's one of those things you have to think about. What are the ideas to talk about? So I commissioned the, the chairman of the Republican Party of Virginia. Every week, you're going to give me an op-ed. I'm going to publish it on a new uh, policy idea. The first one out of the gate was education. And so we're doing it. Every week, we've got, I'm supposed to get the new one tomorrow. Um, it's a drop in the ocean. Any ideas what that policy initiative is going to be? You'll have to check the website. Oh, boy, I can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) You know, while we're sitting here talking about blogs and while we're talking about, um, (laughs) you know, being humorous about this, this is quite sad, in fact, um, that I haven't heard one politician, excepting for Ralph Northam, say anything about the issues. Ralph's talking about abortion all the time, and what an evil. Well, at least he knows. At least Ralph knows where his polls are, and how to find them, and what to say based off of them. Ralph's These about guys, to get. Ralph's about to get a 
gigantic pull surprise, actually. So if Ralph thinks he knows where he is, um, he needs to check the GPS because he's off course. Really? Mm. Yes. You've got uh, breaking no- news here, uh, so go ahead and break it. Have you got an internal poll you'd like to talk about? Have you seen anything you'd I like mentioned to talk it to about? Paul yesterday. Was it yesterday? When did we talk? Yesterday? Um, and I don't know how much credence to put in it. It's a Washington Post poll, show, and it's regional. That shows that that race is a statistical tie. You're saying regional. What do you mean? Nova, Northern Virginia. Silence over there. Is deafening. <laughs> No, I mean, Jackson's going to get crushed. Next. No, I know. Right. <laughs> so is there a, a poll that's saying that, that, that these yeah, guys that are neck and neck as well? Northern Virginia. Is that a name ID issue, Paul? I think it is, right? Well, the, the Post poll did show... Oh, real quick, let's go back. We've got Bishop Jackson on the one hand, who I, I can't think of a politician who's more polarizing than Bishop Jackson. What church is he the bishop of? His, I believe. Oh, right? yes, his. Okay. His. Okay. Um, he's at the top. It's amazing. Yeah. Let's, yeah. <laughs> well, he just told the Pope he didn't understand the Catholic religion, so obviously you can't be part of that church. Well, uh, I don't think he'll ever be at the you know, I'd, Vatican. It'd be interesting to see a, 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 a flow chart of the, the leadership at, at his church as well, I guess. But so he's, he's about as polarizing as a candidate gets. And then you've got Northam, who, again, I guess there's a, a name ID issue. Seems there always like. is. There always I mean, is. Down, but there's down but there's, ticket. There always is. You're but there's right, a, yeah. there's one other thing going on there. Ralph Northam and it's the open secret is a lazy campaigner, and the only reason he won the nomination is because Anish Chopra was even lazier. And I will debate that with you. Okay, Anish, go. Anish, Anish, Anish is out there <laughs> pounding it hard. Uh, Ralph was doing what Ralph does, which is making sense, and Anish. If you remember the race, uh, infuriated a lot of people by going negative hard on Ralph. And, and the Democratic establishment rallied behind Ralph from that. Yeah, I think what's killed. not well appreciated in terms of the Democratic Party has never really been favorable towards, uh, what would you say, anti-establishment candidates. I mean, the, you had two folks challenging uh, two sitting Democratic senators and who were running, and they ran, they, they were the favorites, the senators. I, you'd have to say they ran uninspiring campaigns. They purposely dialed stuff down. They almost got beat. I mean, they, but there's the energy in there. It's just ironic how much energy there is on the Republican side in the primary process compared to the Democrats this year. And yet, it's working out better for the Democrats because their candidates are more easily those who can attract folks that are willing to protest the Cuccinelli. Now you got the shutdown. You got so many things that people could protest. And the Democratic candidates, maybe in their own way, are those who can absorb, well, all right, I can see them as a vehicle for a protest. And Jackson's problem is either you're for him or against them. And right. if you're not if you're not with him, it's really hard to vote for him. And he's going right, to tell you right. that he's against you. And he and, and <laughs> which is which is interesting. Most politicians do try to identify with you. He tries to unidentify with you. What um, you know, you bring up a very good subject, uh, Norm. That is Northern Virginia. Um, yeah. Does the shutdown help Terry? It depends on how it plays, on how it plays out. 
um, from where I sit down here in River City, I don't care about the shutdown. It's just another episode in government dysfunction. And I would hope that one day they will all be frog Right, but the question was more pointed than that. It was oh, I know. Nova. I know. Does it affect their... Yeah, because of the concentration of federal workers. And depending upon who's been furloughed and where they live and whatnot, uh, it could have substantial effects. That yeah. is why Cuccinelli has been out aggressively trying to distance himself from that. Even uh, the most recent thing I saw from him is that this is... We don't want to see this kind of government imported into Virginia and... Of course, Sarah McAuliffe said he would not sign a budget if it didn't have Medicaid expansion, which is shutting the government down here in Virginia. So we can't have this. We can't have this. So he's trying to put some daylight between himself and and the shutdown. But, you know, it's always mystified me, too. Northern Virginia has trended increasingly Democratic in the way it votes. But some of the most hardcore conservative ideologues, you want to talk about ideologues, Paul, are in Northern Virginia. They're professional conservatives. You know, they get paid well to gin up the troops in, in Idaho. And so they are out there beating the drums. And But no, it's it's a, it has the potential, especially if it morphs into the debt ceiling and becomes a genuine crisis, that's dynamite uh, for Cuccinelli. And he has to do whatever he can to steer away from that. Paula. We've both done this thing called politics a long time, You much longer than I. What's going to move the polls, and when are the polls going to move? Right now, we've seen polls. Terry's up as much, by, as, as much as seven points in some polls, really, realistically, five and six, four and some. So let's take the mean number, five and a half. When, when, does this move? Is that the number? Or when does it move if it moves? I mean, we're not two weeks and, out and yet. And real quick, let's talk, too, a little bit about how much has been spent here before we do get oh, into that. a lot of money. What's, what's been spent on both sides? I mean, Terry is outstripping I mean, they, they, what are they going to spend, $50 million between them easy? I mean, the way I would look at the at the situation right now, we got October the 2nd, roughly a month, uh, a month away. You try to look at it somewhat um, realistically, okay? And no reason to expect either campaign to do much different than it's done now. They've been at this for a year. Now, you might say, well, they've been saving up their, you know, October surprise, another urban legend, and maybe that's true. But the chances are they may have one more thing in the can that they've waited. But basically, by now, you've, you've laid out your case, negative and positive, and you've spent a lot of money doing it. And Cuccinelli has not no issue. His campaign has very little theme. He doesn't seem to know how to put enough money behind an advertisement to make it work. Um, and he's been on the defensive for a year. He hasn't had a good day. We're talking, you just mentioned it, the October surprise. <laughs> Today is October 3rd. And we did, on October 1st, have an interesting surprise. I don't think it's really a, a bombshell, most certainly. But it was interesting. We had Tichi Pickney-Ups, a local school board member, uh, Democrat, she was endorsed by the Virginia, or the, excuse me, the Richmond Democrats uh, to represent the, what is she? Is she the 8th ninth district? Ninth district. Um, and she did a commercial for Ken Cuccinelli. And this commercial is essentially uh, not just an endorsement of Ken, but it's also, it, it, calls, it, it calls Terry a liar. Yeah, um, it does. Says that these attacks on Ken are, are false. 
I think is actually the term that she uses. Speaking as a mother and a Democrat, there are some things you need to know about Ken Cuccinelli. The attacks against him are false and misleading. That Ken has some agenda against women? Ridiculous. I support Ken Cuccinelli because he's fighting for a better Virginia for all of us. He has a plan to create 58,000 new jobs and improve schools for our children. I'm a lifelong Democrat, but Ken Cuccinelli is the candidate I trust to do what's right. What is that going to, I mean, does that, I don't even know what to ask him. What happened there? What is with that? <laughs> what's up with that, to go back to our theme last week? It's, it's it is an odd ad. The timing on it is strange. Does that happen? <laughs> uh, it's I, rare. We saw it happen. Um, yeah, but it is rare. It is very rare to see that kind of thing. I, I look forward to the McAuliffe campaign trotting out John Chichester in an ad, which would be hilarious um, because he's just going back to his roots as a Democrat. But anyway, um, she's, as I, I wrote about it, she is an imperfect vessel, and that was being kind. Uh, for somebody to carry that kind of a message. Um, she is. She has a reputation here in town. It's not exactly stellar, but it's the best Cuccinelli's got. And quite honestly, um, but if you're reputation, in Richmond... If, and, if she's, and if she's the best Cuccinelli's got right now... Lord help. Well, yeah. It, well, yeah, but um, but that but that reputation it it ends at, at really the city it line. Ends, it ends at the city line. Yeah. It, Not you, even did Henrico doesn't know who yeah, she you is. Can yeah, go. Chris, look. Let's be honest. I mean. The ad was not cut for Richmond. The ad was cut for exactly. statewide audiences right. who would look and see an African American woman, a Democrat, although she was just recently thrown off the Democratic City Committee. Um, I can't imagine why. Uh, <laughs> and and so. And by the way, we should probably preface the preface with saying that she also wrote about what was that about a month ago, an editorial in the Times Dispatch that wasn't quite uh, as strident, I guess, as the commercial she just cut. Right, uh, but it it alluded to where she is now. So, I'm, and I'm assuming that that's about probably timed with when she ended up off of the Democratic Committee. Is that right? Yes. Charlie? So you you have this this person who's put herself out on a limb, really. But again, like like Charlie was starting a to very, say, very very frail limb. In thin... fact, politically, I don't see how she's electable ever again. But outside um, of Richmond, she's a great tool for him. Exactly. right? Exactly. That's my point. Yeah. That, that was the original. Well, that's point. what they're thinking. Yeah, uh, you know, right. And, well, how you know, is she not? How might she not be? Well, again, if you're an undecided voter or whatever, I mean, does it really matter what someone you don't know who has no reputation has to say about Ken Cuccinelli? I mean, why is she doing it? It's the first question everyone's going to ask themselves. Why is she doing it? Now, in Cuccinelli's situation where he's got problems with... Um, with people thinking he's intolerant, he has uh, problems with female voters, he's trying to say something about education, does yep. she hit a lot of the, the buzzwords? Well, sure, she conceivably, uh, she does some of that. But if this is all he's got, then that's, if this is October surprise, he's the one who's in for the surprise. And <laughs> I, th I think that, to me, it shows a campaign that doesn't, is behind, knows it's behind, is looking for something, anything. And they go to the huddle and they're, you know, the quarterback says, and I've been there, you guys got to play that'll work because I don't. 
and everybody's looking at everybody else, and they says, well, yeah, we used to do this, you know, when we played the schoolyard. Fine, let's run the Epps play. Why not? See if it works. I'm not impressed by, uh, by that, except the admission by Cuccinelli, finally, that I got to try something different. Charlie, you had something to say, it looked like? No, I, I just, I, this line of, this line of uh, discourse is interesting to me in the fact that it's somewhat disappointing that we didn't get the quality of candidate on the Republican side this time. Um, and I'm wondering what our friend Norm would say uh, to this question, and that is basically, wh- whatever happened to Bill Bowling? Uh, I don't know, but I have seen his face on milk cartons. <laughs> the Bill Bowling that I knew uh, is not the Bill Bowling who is sitting in the lieutenant governor's office right now. Arguably, Bill Bowling had a more conservative voting record than Ken Cuccinelli when they were together in the Senate. Um, arguably, Bill Bowling was a strong candidate statewide. Uh, in 2009, I remember being on the conference call then when he decided he wasn't going to run against Bob McDonald. Why aren't you going to run? Well, you know, I can't afford it. It's a part-time job. It costs millions of dollars. I can't do it. But he was going to run this time. What changed? Were you going to get millions of dollars from where? What? Um, and then he started to change his views. Um, by the time and, – and, and, and the other thing is about Bill Bowling. His nickname is Snacks. Twinkies, <laughs> okay. Twinkie, but, but is that I, where the money's going? As far back, really? No, are, are you serious about that? Yeah, yeah. His nickname yeah. is Twinkie. It was Twinkie. Wow. But as far, as, I think that dates back to the, the Hanover board. But as far back as the Republican, that god awful Republican convention in Tampa, Florida, I only wish the hurricane had come. That would have been pretty exciting. Um, <laughs> the stories that were coming out of there, where's Bill Bowling? What's he doing? He wasn't working in the delegation. He wasn't schmoozing. He wasn't talking to people. The most stunning thing I saw was while Virginia's delegation was voting on Romney's nomination, I was interviewing Scott Lingenfelter in this bar uh, set up by the Republican Governor Association, and there on a lounge, sprawled out with his shoes off and his wife and an aide was Bill Bowling, watching it all on TV. You he, know, was, he was not wearing all of his clothes? He was like in his family room, okay? But that's the thing. He didn't want to work for it. He wanted to be handed this thing. He wanted them coming to him and asking him and to. And when people brought people to him, money people, Bill, you need to meet these people. You need to talk to me. You need to at least get up and shake their hand. He didn't do it. So he wanted this to happen. So would he, would he have been a, a viable statewide candidate? I sincerely doubt it. Well, let me ask you this. I mean, okay, you just you said something very interesting a minute ago, and that was that his people were telling him you got to get up and shake this guy's hand, and he said basically no. Really, is he that yeah. way? I'm not. I'm not disputing it. I'm asking in wonderment. And, and is this what you mean when you say that he's not the the, the Bill Bowling you knew? Yeah. Because I mean, I I've known Bill Bowling. Remember when Bowling was elected lieutenant governor? Uh, the RTDs, Jeff Shapiro basically threw his dress over his head and said, the Hanover Hun is coming, and all comedy in the Senate will be dead. You, you know, that's Jeff being Jeff, who's just sort of a, you know, bow-tied press. But it didn't happen. Bowling what? came right sorry, in. Sorry, whoa, Jeff. Whoa, sorry, whoa, Jeff. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> One of the smartest bow-tied presses I've ever met in my life. One of the most it... self-absorbed people I've oh, met in my life. I love having you here, but i got to... 
disagree. He with would you. give yeah, Paul yeah. A, a run on words with friends, though. I bet. I, I don't doubt that. But anyway, um, <laughs> but you know that's the thing. Bill was going to come in. He was going to destroy the system. No, he started working the system. He started to play by the rules, get along, go along, and. So the bowling that had been in office for all those years had made those very controversial votes in that small group of conservatives in the Senate. He, that guy disappeared. I don't know who this guy is right now. He's a moderate new stream, mainstream. That was dude. only after he got beat for the that nomination. That was after he got beat. And you know, to call him uh, some kind of the moderate example that the press and everybody has raised him up to be some sort of iconic figure is... is um, I don't know really how you describe it because it's totally misleading, and it really uh, it, it, it 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 cuts at the credibility, particularly of the mainstream media, to to do this. The, the thing that has amazed me about the Cuccinelli campaign and why it may very well be a one of these one-off things, you know, just he's just running and it doesn't matter what happens, whatever the vote is, it won't be, <laughs> is that he has managed to enrage more people in his own party, in the other party, than anybody since Henry Howe. But Henry <laughs> Howe was doing it because he was basically saying we have to stop segregation, um, and that did rankle a few people at the time. Cuccinelli, it's like he went out of his way, like he enjoyed it. He has not done the kinds of things that a candidate normally does when they're running for office. We're not asking to change. I'm not talking about changing your opinions. But there is a sense that you've got to do something in politics, right? It is a personal thing. It is people. Mm -hmm. And so when you run, whether you mean it or not, you know, when you're talking to somebody, it's love the one you're with. I mean, you try not to antagonize people. But he, from what I could tell, went out of his way to sort of, you know, it's my way or the highway. And you're talking about antagonizing the party here? Every, look, look at, these, look at these polls. There's never been a Republican candidate for governor in the modern times who is going to get less Democratic support. In some of these polls... It's astounding. Norm is shaking his head. It's astounding. You know, you're always going to Doing get some something. He's managed to have a lot more Republican sort of bleed, bleeding than almost anybody at the same time. And so the polls are interesting because they demonstrate three consistent things. Cuccinelli can't get any Democrats, that the Democrats seem to be more interested in voting and that Cuccinelli has the highest unfavorable rating or image of anybody who's ever been elected governor almost anywhere. Those three things at the same time is why it looks like he can't win except that somehow a three-way race creates a statistical anomaly that he can sneak in with, you know, 40 in the 40s. And is now an appropriate time to ask what's going on with uh, Sarvis? We have Sarvis in the race, and he seems yeah. to be somebody who's who's getting some, some ink now and some maybe even some traction. I don't know what his most recent polls might look like, but uh, it, it was a big excitement when he was polling at 7, and, and he seemed to— It's gone up. 
Yeah, and I know it had gone up. He, he's gotten more. I don't more, know where he is. You know, we haven't really had. You had the pots thing, and I think pots had a little bit of vote, but it kind of went in the early polls, but it sort of faded quickly. The Sarvis thing is somewhat unusual because it hasn't he's faded. Building slowly, it's kind of building, sort of building, which is sort of creating sort of, momentum, sort of fascinating. In that uh, he's still the anybody, mostly the you know the um, none of the above vote. Uh, we've never sort of faced that. We've never actually had a credible third-party candidate. I think the most anyone's gotten was in 1965, and I think that was more of a sort of a conservative George Wallace kind of uh, Democrat, um, and he got some vote. But in those days, the Republican Party was weak in 65, and Mills Garvin was very strong as a favorite of the bird machine. But since then, we've never had anything remotely like this service going into October. Well, and he's, he's an empty vessel. Uh, he may have a libertarian tag to him. Most people don't know what that means. They, when they Tell hear us it, real quick, Norm. Uh, Tell us what it means. Uh, if you thought the Tea Party was limited government, you ain't seen nothing until you see a libertarian. They're um, not going to pave my driveway. You're huh? not going to pave my driveway, and I'm going to shoot you between the eyes if you do. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it is... Due to the graphic nature. <laughs> <laughs> beep, 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 but, beep. But, no, but Sarvis has actually touched <laughs> on some of those themes, which is sort of like death anywhere else, where he's talked about maybe changing the drug laws and addressing the drug Not workers. just changing them, pretty much doing away Eliminating with them. them. Well, the one I thought was interesting was I, I interviewed him for a, a piece that I did for Richmond Mag or Magazine recently, and the article I don't think got into this. I think we got cut for space, but we talked a lot about... I'll give it to me. I'll run it. Uh, okay. <laughs> In a month, you can have it. Okay. Um, I, it belongs to me, darn it. Um, but... He talked a little bit about uh, regulation and, mm -hmm. you know, well, you know, I, I believe in, in regulation that's good regulation, moderate regulation, and as little as possible, and then anything else can be handled in the courts. In other words, we should allow the court system to people to sue. If, if McDonald's poisons you, then you should be able to sue McDonald's. Um, yeah. Well, it, sounded like, it sounded like a, a, a lawyer's paradise. Well, yeah, 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 well, that's the thing. Usually libertarians will go off on a jag about the gold standard and... You've lost. <laughs> You've lost. And they never come back. But in his case... And you're a libertarian, right? I, yeah. Uh, tell, tell us about the gold standard. Uh, no way. <laughs> you don't want to know. Uh, I, I have to tell you, though, I went to a libertarian party convention in 1989 in Philadelphia, and it was like going to a Star Trek convention. It was that <laughs> dorky. Uh, so I went to New York City with my buddies, and we just got hammered. So that was much more fun. <laughs> Pulled but, it out of the pulled it out of the But hat. no, it is very much a small, small, limited government. And that's why uh, things like a shutdown doesn't bother me. If you can furlough eight hundred thousand people that are non essential, why bring them back? But that's a topic for a different show. And that's just <laughs> too easy, Norm. That's way too easy. You're better than that. I, those, look those eight hundred thousand people might differ with you. Yeah, that's it. You're fooling with the economy at this point. Speaking of the economy and no, fooling no, with the no, economy. No, no, well, no, let's no, get no. back to service. Hold on. Sar well, so sorry. Why? You're wasting airtime. The guy's gonna get less than ten points. Those points are gonna come from we Cuccinelli if we, they I, were to go to Cuccinelli are, are in the they, first place. Game over. Is Next, he going to get fewer Paul than 10 says. points? And I think that's yeah. a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, well, no. The early, the early polls where Sarvis started polling well, mm -hmm. he was polling equally from both sides. Traditionally, libertarians will poll from Republicans. Mm -hmm. They're disaffected Republicans. Right. They just vote that way. This time, I don't know. I think he may be the one that appeals to folks that call themselves independents. 
And no if, way. Well, this is not a waste of air time. This is very interesting. Go and, on. And quite frankly, if he does manage to break with history and poll in double digits, the winner could be somebody with less than 50% of the vote. I think Paul and I, I have guarantee about this it would bit. be. Yeah. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> the math works out that way. <laughs> no, well, no. The other guy could collapse. Um, mm-hmm. But true. The uh, I Paul and I talked about this a little bit, but I think then the General Falling Assembly the would look at that candidate and say, you know what, you didn't get a majority. We don't have to pay attention to you. Well, yeah. I mean, it's certainly this this particular election does have. A lot of potential for unprecedented sort of statistical stuff at the end. It's going to mess with your mind later. But the, 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 the sort of <laughs> boomlet for this Sarvis guy who ran a couple of years ago as the Republican nominee for the Senate. So this, I, this idea that he's some, you know, uh, breath of fresh air. It's kind of like air in an airplane. You know, it's kind of recycled, and he's coming out with it a, a little bit differently. But if you look at his, his platform, which um, folks like the RTD and others who kind of call him a serious candidate, I mean, first of all, he, it's hard to see just what he wants out of public education except a whole lot less of it, if anything. His idea is, well, you know, we should decriminalize. Forget about just making uh, weed legal. He wants to decriminalize hard drugs. Now, what does that mean? It could mean a lot of things, decriminalize hard drugs. In fact, if you read it closely, I think he wants you to be able to go into not an ABC store, but an ABCD store, the D for drugs, and say, you know, I'd kind of like a couple of uh, bags of uh, this and uh, with my wild turkey. And I see you got, what, you got a sale on heroin today? Let me try some of that. Well, first of all, if he was a real libertarian, there would be no ABC stores. Not, well. That's true. He, no, but see, he, but he is, no, that's not true. That's true. Yes, it is true. A libertarian doesn't no. want an ABC or an ABCD store. No, that's not true. I they don't, don't think. want the government controlling any. Am I right? This conversation <laughs> has gone way off topic. And as one of the hosts, it has I'm not gone rail off it topic. And How's it gone off Norm topic? A question. I would though. Like to, I think that, Richmond could look good as Amsterdam, though. That um, would be a big. Change. That would be. Oh, we got it. <laughs> now it's gone off topic. Seriously. And now Charlie will bring us back. Okay, okay. Okay. Thank you. And, and when I bring you back, something's wrong. Um, Globe. Norm, Globe. Where, where's Eric Cantor? Good question. Where is Eric Cantor in this gubernatorial deal? Eric Cantor has gone underground ever since his uh, consultant, Boyd Marcus, jumped ship to go work for Terry McAuliffe. And when uh, Mar- uh, Cantor is part of the Marcus machine, uh, Marcus was also Bill Bowling's consultant and for a few other people. Uh, when Boyd made the leap for money, let's mm-hmm. be honest, uh, and, and a nice... Not ideology? Uh, no, come on. He didn't just leap. I, I don't mean to interrupt you. You're our guest here. But he did not just leap for money. This was a stab. This was a, you walked away from our guy. We, we're going to come get you. I could tell you some stories about that. No, not Bo- Boyd. Boyd is he, Boyd's cash and carry. Come on. Yeah, I mean, it was all it was all principle. Money. And I and, mean, and, I think Boyd would admit 
That All right, so let's 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 that. agree that Charlie doesn't so agree, saying, but you guys have the real is, story. Paul, what you're saying is, hold Paul, on, before we go back to Eric, because I do want you to, as a resident expert on the. On now the we're getting Eric off thing. topic. No, no, it, we're not. <laughs> we're not. You're telling me that Boyd Marcus saw a a gubernatorial cycle he was not going to be involved in, and said, "Well, I'll just go to the other side." Yeah, I mean, it's fairly well known that he originally. Um, uh, turned down an offer, and then uh, came back, and they upped the they, they upped the offer presumably to his price. I think the way the thing came down is bowling was along with it. It's all part of the thing. I think Cantor winked at it because if Cantor could have told Boyd, "Look, I'm sorry." Fact of the matter is, Boyd's not really working with Cantor that much. It's really his partner Ray Allen. Right. Uh, bowling's got no place to go. Uh, Boyd as look. Boyd ran the campaign against Doug Wilder. It wasn't it? Wasn't it? Didn't seem to bother him playing the race card. I know some other things that the, the, what they did to Wilder. If you go back in the early '80s, uh, a lot worse. Um, Chip Dix, uh, the whole could, deal. You yeah. can go down the whole thing. So you know he, he's never been somebody whose politics were based on uh, principle L.E., but it's been principle A.L. And in this case, <laughs> you know, he missed his uh, big day with bowling, and he was he saw his what was that the the famous uh, uh, bag man for um, uh, uh, the Tweed Machine it was actually uh, George Washington Plunkett, who mm-hmm. actually got a pretty good reputation because he. Uh, and he he said good um, reputation. <laughs> well, he 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 funded Where? some studies uh, and some <laughs> lectures, and and one of his lines was, uh, "I saw my opportunities and I took them," and that's basically <laughs> what happened here. Well, there goes a bird, ladies and gentlemen. Um, we'd like to get back to the <laughs> yeah. Let's where's get back Eric Canner? Well, first of all, uh, like we said, Canner had to run away from this stuff, and when like when Marcus flipped. One thing Cantor did was come out, all of his staffers came out saying, no, 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 we are behind Ken Cuccinelli. They bought a bunch of Facebook ads for him. You know, gosh, how magnificent and magnanimous. How much did those cost? Uh, oh, he's probably spent at least $200. Huh? It's big, big money. He's yeah, who some knows? Cash who knows? That. But since then, not a peep, not a word, nothing. Cantor has expended no political capital on Cuccinelli's uh, behalf or, for that matter, anybody else on the ticket. And it is amazing to me how few other Republicans, or even somebody like Mark uh, Mark Obenshane. Mark Obenshane has run what I, and I've been thinking about this hard for a long time, and I like Mark, and I've talked to him a lot, and I know him, and I've worked on him with issues. He has run one of the most selfish campaigns uh, statewide that I've seen in a long time. He, because he had to. He owes attorney his general, nomination which... as attorney general to Ken Cuccinelli at the convention Cuccinelli circulated it. It was widely known. The statement came out. It was on paper. Ken Cuccinelli is casting his ballot for Mark Obenshane over Rob Bell, who was the other candidate at the time. That swung the votes to Obenshane. What has Mark Obenshane done for Ken Cuccinelli since then? Nothing. Nothing. I understand. No Facebook ads either? No. I understand. He's the only Republican who's got a chance or a snowball's chance in... Hades, shall we say, yeah. of polling at the end above 47. And he's also the only guy who can come out of this thing unscathed enough to challenge bowling, 
for a gubernatorial nomination four years from now if the Republican Party decides to do the right thing and rather than hold a quote-unquote firehouse primary, do a real honest-to-God statewide primary, don't you think? Uh, Well, they are set to have a convention again in 2014, which would be fascinating to watch. (laughs) Um, uh, And bowling as a Republican is done. He's done. Okay, it's very interesting you say that, because I said that the other day to some Republicans, and they said, I think you have also said this too. No, we said this on the show. I said, well, bowling's done. And you, somebody said, I forget who it was, said, no, he's not. He needs to. He gets to just sit back for four years, watch everything implode, and then come back and say, here I am. If See, he, you should have had he, me four years ago. If he played it differently, all he had to do was basically say blah, 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 like John Hager did in 2001 the republicans have been through this before in 2001 right, right, they right, had right. a lieutenant governor run against the attorney general in, in a convention uh, hager was quote supposedly the more moderate guy and he never had a chance he went through the motions he tried uh, and he all his people back warner in the end but hager was nice about it eventually warner gave him a a, a post uh, and and um uh, bowling could have done that. He could have just said, look, you know, fine. But it tells you something about Cuccinelli that when all these people, and I'm not talking Chichester and the others who basically, they, they either went for Kane or whatever. It's not about the former. But you look at all these people who have just, there's something that Cuccinelli does, some vibe he gives off, something, that it's an extra standard deviation from the mean. (laughs) And so where, you know, before you'd say, all right, I'm just going, yes, I will back the ticket. You go back, Mr. I will back the, you don't have to mention his name, you back the ticket. They can't even do that. Nope, that's right. And you say to yourself, okay, maybe bowling's got, you know, it was a personal thing and it didn't work out. And maybe, you no, know. There is. Okay. And maybe Boyd. <laughs> Funny Mar- you should mention it, right? <laughs> Boyd and Boyd Marcus and Chris Lasavita, who's running the Cuccinelli campaign, they go way back. They used to be friends, but something happened there. But when you get, all these things, everything, not just a couple of things. Well, then you gotta say, well, maybe Cuccinelli's at fault here somehow. He's he's missing something. And if you look at his campaign, I think you see that he's missing a brain. But, no, I don't think he. I, don't, I wouldn't go. I don't think that's the issue. You know. Well, why wouldn't it be if if your point? Here's why. Here's why. I think Cuccinelli may be somebody who's good at what you'd call retail politics. He can go door-to-door in Northern Virginia and win in a district which was tough for him. But running for governor is a more wholesale political thing. So you have to have a different image. You've got to spin things differently. You've got all these various people you have to deal with. And, you know, he may not be very good at this. Now, he thinks, I've seen this before, 
because he got more votes in 09 than, 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 than McDonald did. He doesn't think McDonald dragged him in. I've seen this before. He said, well, I got yeah. more votes than he did. So yeah. clearly he's, he's a man of his own. Always has been. Always has been. And, uh, and, you know, from the first moment he was elected in 2002, he's always been poking people in the eye. And that's why a lot of people love him and will crawl over broken glass to vote for him. How many of those people show up on Election Day in November is another question. But Ken has a knack for winning races that he had no right to be in and that everybody had written him off. Can he do it again? I don't know, but no. I'm not ready to write him off. Paul wrote him off in, in June. Quite some time Before ago. then. Well, that's, that's fine, <laughs> but you know, that's, that's, that's Paul's stock and train. I have been around long enough never to learn never to write off anybody. Paul Maybe hasn't that been around that just long. A I hate to disagree with <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi over there, but, but uh, you know better than to write anybody off in June. Yeah, August, April, September. <laughs> wow, Paul's sticking by it. <laughs> that's my story, and I'm sticking by it. You know, I'm telling you, well, no, that's, uh, you know. No, you're not going to stand by your man. Yeah, let's get this over is, This, this thing, is the fellow who knows not to write anybody off ever, and he's sticking by April. You know, he's disputing I, June. It's too, too my, late. My thing is that he didn't show the kind of political judgment that I thought he had to do when he was given the one opening that would have made him a viable candidate, in my mind, he didn't do it. Which was what, real quick? The McDonald's transportation plan is based on something that the Democrats said they would never do, but they did, which was take money that had been or would have normally gone for education, two to three billion over 10 years, and spend it on roads and Instead, in order to everybody to agree on the, you know, that was part of McDonald's um, insistence. Cuccinelli was going to oppose the transportation plan anyway. But he was concerned because everybody gets concerned, oh, Northern Virginia transportation never really adds up that way, but they get the same concern. Well, McCullough, in his statement supporting the transportation plan, acknowledged that he was a little bit concerned about the money that was going from transportation. So he just basically, you know, like Lewis and Clark said, this is, this is the path. We're cutting it for you. <laughs> the Pacific is in sight. So Cuccinelli doesn't do that, which tells me he doesn't really have that much for public education. And what does he do instead? He goes out and he helps McDonald pass the plan because it was, as Norm and I pointed out, unconstitutional as written. So he goes out, saves a plan he's supposed to be against. He did. That was maddening. And you say to yourself, <laughs> anybody who, can, who figures I'm going to be not the anti-tax, pro-education candidate, I'm going to be the pro-tax pro transportation AG, but the anti-tax, but pro-transportation attorney general, you're saying to yourself, can't possibly get elected against a, a candidate that's going to spend $30 million against him. That was maddening when Cuccinelli came out with that opinion, and he said, oh, here's how you make it constitutional. You do A, B, C, and D. And I thought, God, Ken, 
your job is just to say it's unconstitutional and walk away and not say, here's how you do it and here's 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 at the source if you need new words to call it what you need. Is Ken Cuccinelli always the smartest guy in the room, according to Ken Cuccinelli? No question. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. see, that's that's part of a problem in any candidate. But he's also, if you, if you know him and you talk to him, he's also kind of a goofy, self-deprecating guy. He is. He is very personable. He is that. He is too. not his caricature. Re- well, as I say, we'll retail. Call Mudcat retail. He's great. Like. Incredible. Li- incredibly likable. Walks into a room. Lights up the room. But wholesale. Talks to anybody. Is, is I just don't think he's got the wholesale ability. Too. I mean, I just think that's what it and is. And I like any candidate who's pinched my cheek, and he has. Oh, so that was sweet. There's a lot of cheek <laughs> to pinch. Anyway. Baby cakes. Hey, Chris. Pinch. Before the um, <laughs> audience, Ralphs. Um, <laughs> You think it's about time to wrap up yeah, here? Maybe. So let's go ahead and wrap it up. And uh, maybe just ask the final question, where do we think this is going to land on, on, on Election Day, which is about a month away, I guess, right? Uh, it's going to land with a thud. Uh, turnout's going to be low. Everybody's going to bemoan that. And I think uh, McAuliffe pulls it out. And what are the final numbers? I think he probably, if I have to bet my, my, my arm, 46%. And, and Sarvis? Sarvis pulls about 13%. Wow. Next, Paul. Um, you know, it's going to be a Democratic sweep, first one since <laughs> 1989. Um, I think that uh, uh, the shutdown uh, uh, in, uh, that's going on in Washington now is just further proof that just know everything that could go wrong for Cuccinelli is going wrong. Stuff he can't control, stuff he can control. Okay, <laughs> that his strategy, his Chris Lasavita has managed to make as many wrong turns as you can make in a driving test before the instructor just says, "That's enough." Hits the brake. You'll on his have side. to come back. <laughs> so, and what's going to happen? It's going to be a, it's going to be a Democratic sweep. And what's and, what are the numbers like? I can't read the Sarvis thing. Norm think he gets double digits. That'd be astounding. It would also mean that the Libertarians get an autom- automatic ballot position, first time, any place but probably Alaska. So I guess they'll run Sarah Palin for a Senate against uh, Mark <laughs> Warner. So that'll be Newt fun. Gingrich is running. Newt Gingrich is going to run. But, okay, so now, now. Here's the one thing, though. If there is a Democratic sweep, or even if Cuccinelli loses, the Republican bloodbath. Afterwards, will be fun to watch. There's going to be blood knee deep in the streets. It is going n- hide the silverware. It's Gettysburg. There's no. It thing. will be great to watch. All right. What's going to happen is this. Here comes. Here comes our final answer. Yeah. Final answer. <laughs> What's going to happen is this. Um, it is going to be a Democratic sweep. Uh, Sarvis gets seven, eight points. Um, those points would have gone to Cuccinelli, possibly. Um, however, they're not. And so McAuliffe wins. Um, Jackson pulled McAuliffe down. Not McAuliffe. Jackson pulled your gubernatorial candidate down, uh, Cuccinelli Cuccinelli down, uh, when all that went on. And then all the stuff, this slow leak of blood that's been going on, has hurt the Republican campaign in toto. Um, And the only chance you've got, and I may may be wrong, uh, and... And when we go off the air here, Paul's going to say, you're wrong. Um, I'll say it on the air. <laughs> okay, good. I think Oban Shane is going to poll higher than either of the two candidates above him. 
Wow. All right. And that's going to be it for today. We've got Norm Leahy here. He's editor at Bearing Drift and a conservative political consultant. That's BearingDrift.com, right? That's right. Uh, it's a good place to look for some interesting stuff on Republican side. Paul Goldman, former chairman of the Virginia Democratic Party. He also writes a lot for Blue Virginia and Channel 6. He's, of course, a once-in-future words with friends, points-per-move champion of the world. And Charlie Deardor here, who has a pretty good vocabulary himself. He's my co-producer on this show and a local pundit with experience on state, national, and local as well campaigns. And I'm Chris Dovey, and thank you guys for being with us. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you very much. And that's RVA Report for Thursday, October 3rd, 2013. Thanks for listening. I'm Chris Dovey. RVA Report is co-produced by myself, Charlie Deridor, and Brittany Tracy. The Richmond Public Media News Team is Brittany Tracy, Cameron Vigliano, and Anafrio Castilla. News keeps happening, which means there will be plenty more to talk about next week, right here on RVA Report. Join us. It's getting light, everything will be alright Think I'll finally got the knack of just floating and lazy on my back I never really liked that town I think I'll ride the river down, just moving slow and floating free There's a river swinging under me